Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. With the first pick in the 2016 NBA Draft, the Philadelphia 76ers select Ben Simmons. Episode 19 of the Mike and Mo Show. I'm Mike Calandrillo. He, as always, is Maurice Moten. And uh, if you're not ready for some NBA talk, well, then I'm I'm sorry because we've got NBA in all shapes and sizes. We've got the draft. We're going to talk a little bit of that fantastic Game 7 of the NBA Finals. We're going to talk upcoming free agency, who's opting out, who's opting in, which is no one. We might throw in some baseball if we've got some time, but it is going to be wall-to-wall b-ball. So, Mo, Mo, I know you've got a little bit of a rant that you actually want to get off your shoulders, so um, take it away, and um, welcome. Yeah, um, I have a problem with the NBA, well, actually NBA GMs and the way they are drafting at this point, and I call this the Porzingis effect because... Yeah, I booed Porzingis, the little kid who was at the Barclays Center booed Porzingis last year when he was drafted at number four by the Knicks. And he turned out to be pretty damn good. Yep. So I'm happy I'm happy about that, of course, as sure. a, as a uh, Knicks fan. Sure. But um, it seems that GMs are drinking the Kool-Aid on these European players, especially after Porzingis. I mean, it was, it ha- it was happening before Porzingis, but now it was just like twofold. Like, a lot of the names, let's be honest, a lot of the names in the first round you couldn't even pronounce. I had to look up a pronunciation guide, but that is not my problem. <laughs> my pronunciation isn't my problem with the draft. It's the fact that these GMs are looking overseas to, to European players over their own players who are on the TV, who they can, who they can, I guess, dissect their games from beginning to end because these players, most of them are are coming in one and done now. That's the new thing. You play one year in college, even though you don't really want to go to college. And then you go to the NBA. And I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to connect this to when you were in school as a kid, right? And you had your first crush or your second or third crush was probably the foreign girl. The girl who doesn't look like your kind. Even when you get older, guys always brag about, oh, I, I want that foreign chick. Oh, what is, what is her name? Oh, it's Alexandra Rios or something like that. But she's not American, so that makes her special. And these GMs are doing the exact same thing here, and it's 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 a it's bad business. I mean, I like Denonis Sabonis, Sabonis's kid. I think yeah. he was he belongs in the top ten. He was he went to eleven to the Magic and then was traded. Cool. You already have Boogie Cousins, and you drafted Willie Cauley Stein last year. You need shooters on the wing, and you need a point guard because Rondo is probably gone, and then. Darren Collison has his domestic violence issue, and you don't draft the point guard first. I, I just don't get it. And these GMs, they are the kid in the classroom. They are the, the friend that you meet in the bar that's like, oh, I need a foreign girl. I, I don't need an American girlfriend. I need someone who lives in, who's from Spain or from Russia. And nothing against those women. They're also beautiful women. But when it comes down to it, and you're an NBA GM, you need to pop on the tape Throw on the NCAA tourney, maybe look at a game in February or January or December, or maybe look at some AAU tournaments. Go to some AAU tournaments and look at them play ball from a younger age. But these players are homegrown right in front of you, and you are overlooking them 
for Alexandra Rios with the grainy tape in Europe. And it just doesn't make sense to me because when they come over, then they have to spend two years in a developmental league, most of them, before they even play an NBA minute. So NBA GMs, cut it out. Get rid of the Alexandra Rios women <laughs> and stick stick with a Tamika. Stick Whoa. with a, a Tammy, Tammy, an Angela. You know, get it, get a, get an American player that you that you watched for at least a year versus someone that you saw for ten minutes on a green team. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Get a Gertha. Get a get a Jenny Lou. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, nothing against the foreigns, you guys. I mean, great, you guys. I'm not a Donald Trump person. I, I'm all for people coming into the country. I'm all for it. Don't pick me as a Republican, as an ignorant Republican. But I'm saying, if you're an NBA GM, it's a different playing field. You you have the tools to dissect certain prospects. You have the tapes there. Why would you go for 10 minutes of tape versus a year's worth of material you can look over? You can say, maybe this player belongs versus this player that I don't really know like that. Well, it's, I mean, it's, under, it's, a, it's a valid argument. And as a man that has experienced the fine wine of European grapes, I will let you know that it does hold a bit of uh, tannins to keep, it, to keep it PC. But I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I think the biggest argument there is the one-and-done rule in general. I think, it's, I think it's beginning to do more harm than good. Uh, because a lot of these guys, I mean, there are exceptions. There's the the Carl Anthony Towns and the Anthony Davises of the world. But again, there are plenty of guys that have come out after one year and have been complete busts. Uh, even right. even guys like Austin Rivers, who were really really good at Duke, but should have stayed at least one more year. And now you know, yeah, okay, he had a decent year. Uh, had a decent year with with the Clippers. But again, he was an afterthought in New Orleans. So again, it doesn't work for everybody. And these guys that come from Europe, they're playing as professionals at 16 years old, 17 years old. So by the time they do come over at 19, 20, whatever it might be. I guess GMs are looking at it as they have the more experience. Their games are a little bit more rounded than a guy that just played one year in college and and didn't really maybe even excel in that one year. So it is. It's a crapshoot. Really, the whole draft is is a crapshoot to to a certain extent. But I understand where you're coming. But I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. And we'll get into a couple of the teams that I we feel bloat, and a couple of the teams that that. I don't know, maybe made a good choice, but at the end of the day, they have these, they have put millions of dollars into scouting these players, they they seem to know what they're doing, uh, and you gotta hope that once in a blue moon, you hit it out of the park, like like Phil Jackson did with Christoph Porzingis, and like you said, maybe it is a bit, a bit of an epidemic to this point, but um, I guess maybe if there's a guy you've actually seen play professionally against bigger grown men for a number of years than just one guy who might have played you know, a, a, a mid-middle American type school, maybe he has more upside. It's hard to say, but that seems to be the way the NBA is. It, maybe, maybe that one and done is doing more harm than good. I mean, let's keep it 100% real here. I mean, when you nowadays, and I'm, again, I'm going to connect this to, to my life and things that have gone on in my life. When you talk to certain friends, what do they say? I, I don't know if this happens in your circle, but it happens in mine, certain people. When, they, when you look at a woman, they go, well, I don't know. She has that exotic look. Why is that the selling point for everything? Oh, she looks exotic. Her hair is exotic. I don't know. She looks different. She looks mixed. That's the selling point over, over someone, I guess, who doesn't look exotic, who looks American. And these GMs, they look at these players and go, wow, he's 
He's seven two, and he's from Europe, and he can shoot. Yeah, like we haven't seen a bunch of Europeans who can shoot, and they come into the NBA and they don't do much. I mean, not everyone can come in and be Porzingis or Dirk Nowitzki or Pedro Stojakovic or Yao Ming or those guys like that. You just you just don't find that in every draft. It is a once in a while thing. It is not common. And don't give me Hakeem Olajuwon because he actually played American ball before he went to the NBA. Yeah, he played at so, Houston. Yeah. You have to be mindful of that. And these, and again, these GMs are falling from the trap every year. And I just think Darko Milicic, when I when I could get into this argument I, over and over again, just think Darko Milicic was drafted before Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, and there, there was uh, one more play, a bunch of other, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne I Wade, yeah. to get Dwayne Wade. He's drafted before all of these players. And now he, he, last I heard, he was trying to get a career in UFC MMA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and meanwhile... Meanwhile, Bosch and Wade have gone on to win multiple championships. Carmelo still needs one. But, I mean, come on, he's a, he's a good player. So we got to give him that. But what has Darko Milicek even done? I don't even know. His career was shortened, and again, he, he just he just fizzled out completely. He was the number two pick in the draft. Yeah, well, Darko got paid. So Darko don't ever have to work ever again. But it's the old story that... We're intrigued. As human beings, we are intrigued by the unknown. We Either you love it or you hate it. There's no middle ground with the unknown. And, and in NBA circles, obviously, it's more intriguing these days. And especially if you're a team that doesn't have cap space, you draft a guy like the Knicks drafted Hernan Gomez last year, and you store him for an extra year or two in the foreign leagues. You don't have to pay him. Well, you pay him, but you don't have to pay him for the salary cap. And he continues to grow. So it's basically like a minor league. So now that the Knicks need a center, and we'll talk about that later, uh, now this guy is going to come over. So with the 35th pick last year, it looks like it was a good idea. And and that's the thing is you're not going to necessarily get a first-round pick who's an American kid. And even if he stinks, is, is he going to take an, an assignment to the D-League? It's just, it's just not going to happen. I don't even know if, if that is in the collective bargaining agreement when it comes to the what you can and can't do. But again, it's the unknown. It's the possibility. And as long as we have European players or players from anywhere in the world – if they're exciting and they look good on tape, somebody's going to take a chance because it has worked. Look at San Antonio. I mean, there's plenty of instances. Look at Nick Batum, who is going to get paid handsomely this year. There's just plenty of guys. So it's a, it's an interesting case. But let's focus on what happened last night. So, Mo, in your in your humble opinion, who... Who was the one player that you said, man, that is a great place for him to land? Well, I'm going to go with a pick that you probably wouldn't think I'd start the show with, but Isaiah Whitehead to the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, no, I kind of thought you would, but okay, go ahead. Yes, because you got to look at this. Yes, I know it was a late pick. He was picked uh, 42nd, I believe. Brooklyn Nets traded with Utah Jazz for their pick. But he gives that, that team an identity. They just traded away. I mean, they just traded away Thad Young. You don't. You have Brooke Lopez, which is your most recognizable player on that roster. Now you get a player who's a Brooklyn native. Shout out to Abraham Lincoln High School, and now he's on the Brooklyn Nets. People are going to run to to the Barclays Center to, to watch him play. And and again, he may not change the team radically because of his skill. He does bring some point guard, uh, shooting guard. He's basically a combo guard. He can shoot and he can pass the ball. He he brings some skills to the team. He's not gonna. He's not a twenty win swing player, 
But he's going to make the bad nights exciting. And believe me, there are a lot of bad nights up ahead for the Brooklyn Nets, especially when your first-round pick had three, I believe, three procedures done on his left foot. So Isaiah Whitehead, uh, he, he should be in the rotation. I don't see him starting. Jared Jack will probably hold him off for a little while, for at least a year. But you got to love a Brooklyn native going to the Brooklyn Nets, coming back home. Yeah, fair enough. And you guys actually did... Um... You did sign Yogi Ferrell as a free agent, and obviously he had a pretty pretty successful career at Indiana. He is he is four foot two, so anything is possible in the NBA. But he's got he's got game. He's got game. I'll give him that. He's not from Brooklyn, though. No, no, no. He's not from Brooklyn, but he does have a really cool, have that, a cool first. Doesn't name. have that Brooklyn. He doesn't have that Brooklyn swag. So no, we, we, we'll mention him later. I mean, I was a good undrafted pickup. Yeah, sure. I, I'm not doubting him as as much as I would Whitehead because again. Brooklyn ties, Brooklyn people stick together, and that's what we're doing here. All right. To the Nets. All right. Gotta love it. I like it. I like it. I'm going to give you my homer pick then, I think, who was a steal, was Bryce Johnson at number 25, North Carolina. And I I say that not only because he was a first-team All-American who averaged a double-double as we, you know, were runner-up in the championship game, but he, he, yeah, he's an excellent rebounder. He can he can play off the board. He can play on the low post. He can shoot a mid range game, and he's going to the Clippers. And this is a team that's not that far off from really being a contender if all their pieces stay healthy. So I like I like Bryce Johnson going there. And the other guy I really really like was uh, Dejounte Murray at twenty nine. Uh, how he fell to twenty nine, I'm not really sure. When he averaged sixteen points and four assists a game, and he shot forty one percent from the field with, at Washington, but he goes to San Antonio, and everybody's been saying how you know this is the end for t- Tony Parker, and this is just a great opportunity for him to step in, learn from a guy like Parker, and then take over perhaps in two thousand seventeen eighteen. I mean, just a really good value pick by the Spurs. But again, this is not a surprise. This is what they do every every year. So would you say that was your biggest moment of the draft for you watching it? For what? The, the Bryce Bryce Johnson or Bryce Johnson or Dejounte Murray going to the Spurs? Would you say that was like your your awe moment? No, honestly, my awe moment was was the younger Sabonis going to the Magic because <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> what the Magic needed and. I was stoked that I, you know, I had written a piece a couple of days before for Orlando Magic Daily, and I said that's exactly what you need—a big man that can play D and also score. And I was stoked. And then I found out four minutes later that they traded the pick, and I was nauseous. Uh, Chris Dunn did have uh, the J.C. Penny suit and the Gucci shoes. Yeah, what kind of combination? What kind of combination is that? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I, yeah. I, I. I kind of shook my head when he was kind of plugging jc penny's suit and i was kind of like you know maybe a, a joseph a bank i just know? i want to know if he got the gucci shoes that at jc penny because i want to go to that jc penny and buy them no he, he actually <laughs> plugged the suit as a jc penny product and oh, then he didn't say where he got the shoes from he just said they were gucci but i i saw that and i was like interesting but again Very. a vert suit uh even Jalen rose had to get up and give him that for that suit that Michigan suit, because of course Jalen Rose was part of the Fat Five from Michigan. Sure, but uh, it was it was a pretty interesting moment. Fashion is becoming big in sports. I know you saw Ezekiel Elliott with the crop top before the draft on the red carpet. Now you're seeing the the Michigan suit. You see people with Gucci shoes. I believe someone last year had spikes on their shoes. I don't remember. It was an NFL prospect. I don't I don't want to say who it was. 
because I forgot <laughs> Shaq Lawson. But um, <laughs> these NBA players, these NFL players, they're out there and they're really taking in the moment. I feel like that's that's special because you're never you're never never taking a moment like that again. You saw Chris Dunn kind of break down when he was drafted fifth. We'll get into that a little later. But it, it's all emotions. It's all the things you you prep for when you were in AAU ball, when you were in you know in your junior high school gym, in your high school gym, and your dreams come true. And these players, they they really take in the moment. It's a it's a it's a good thing to see. All right, it is. It really is. It's it's reaffirming that you know you do the hard work and it, and it pays off. Uh, before we get to the negative. Uh, I also think, you know, because we love the negative here, especially me, uh, I think I think Jamal Murray and his 20 points a game at Kentucky going to Denver is a great opportunity. Uh, the guy can shoot the three. He attacks the rim. Uh, this is what they needed. They, they needed a guy that can legitimately go out there and score, and at the number seven pick, I'm, I'm shocked he fell that far. I think that's a great opportunity for him to excel. And opposite Emmanuel Moutier, what a, what a backcourt for 10 years. You're, you're absolutely right. The only thing is, he would, he's going to have to beat out Gary Harris. Yeah. And Gary Harris has actually played pretty well. Gary Harris is actually drafted number 19 overall in 2014. And he's a two-way player. You know, he can defend, he can shoot the three. This guy plays the same position. So even if, I mean, whoever doesn't start and comes off the bench, is it's, it's pretty solid. Uh, Denver's got a nice nucleus. I wouldn't compare it to Minnesota's, but I would say it's it's pretty underrated because they have a lot of young players. Even though they did dangle Kenneth Reed on draft day, that kind of worried me because I, I really do like Kenneth Reed, and they were you know there were rumors that he could be moved. And he's he's still there for now, so we'll see what happens. They have a bunch of uh, bigs. Speaking of Europeans, they have a lot of European bigs. One guy from France, one guy uh, from from. Uh, Believe uh, Bosnia, and it's 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 getting crowded in their front court. So I would expect them to maybe they'll make a move. They don't need to make a move for free agency, definitely. But maybe by the trade deadline, they they bring in another veteran to pair in, and and maybe this team pushes for an eight spot. Even though I don't think they make the playoffs. Okay, let's talk about the negative. Let's, because I honestly Do think it. I yeah we have to. I think there was more negative in my opinion than there was positive. Because you, you're a negative Nancy. I told you that yesterday. No, it's because I'm an amazing sports personality, and that's what we do. We focus okay. on the negative. On the negative? On really? the negative. My biggest negative being, what did Boston do with all of those picks that they decided to take, like, four power forwards, <laughs> and with the third overall pick, did not take your boy, Chris Dunn. They decided to take a guy at a cow who they could have traded down to maybe six, maybe they, honestly they probably should have traded down to where Minnesota was. They could have picked up a Ricky Rubio type to at least put as a rotation type player because Minnesota is still willing to look to deal him, and they could have still taken their man. But why would they? Why would they go out on a limb and why would they take so many power forwards when this was supposed to be the draft of all drafts for them? As far as the Celtics go, I feel. I mean. They had a bad night, but I feel bad because they kind of they just got stuck. I mean, I, I don't think they had a plan. I, I think they banked on being able to trade those picks. So when it came down to them holding all the picks, it was kind of like everything on the fly. And I know that sounds ludicrous because you would think every front office is prepared for any situation. But as you said, the way they were picking, it just didn't it didn't fit to me. Because number one, you picked up you picked up Brown, and I'm and I'm thinking. 
why you need a shooter. This guy yeah. isn't isn't a proven shooter. Jalen Brown is not a proven shooter. He's athletic. You know, he could develop something, but he's he's not a he's not a knockdown shooter. You were better off drafting Dunn and then trading him somehow, unless the Boston Celtics didn't feel they would be able to trade Dunn. But they just to me, Boston just got stuck with holding all the cookies. And they couldn't eat all the cookies because at that point, no one, no one wanted to take from them. They tried to get in with the 76ers and trade and trade with them. And 76ers were kind of like, nah, well, we're good. So after that, it just kind of fell apart. Boston actually, I believe, was trying to contact the Bulls for Jimmy Butler. And apparently the Bulls were asking, for, maybe asking for a lot for Jimmy Butler. And Boston wasn't willing to give up a lot. Boston doesn't have a lot to begin with because their team is more of a, of a team than a bunch of superstars. I mean, the best players maybe Isaiah Thomas, and I'm sure if you were going to get Jimmy Butler from the Bulls, the Bulls would want Isaiah Thomas in return. Yeah, sure. And apparently, probably, the Boston Celtics were like, no, we're not giving up our all-star player, our best player. So, yes, you're right about that, Mike. Uh, it's, a, it's a bad night for the Boston Celtics. Bad night for Danny Ainge after compiling 55 picks. They kept all 55 picks, and they didn't get much to improve their team for the next year. Now, since we're sticking to the negative, um, I'm sorry, Mike, but I have to go with... Well, you know what? I'll save that. I'll, I'll save oh, it. Okay, thank you. I have to go... Yeah, I'll spare you. Thank I'll, you. I'm being nice here. I'll spare you. I have to go to the Sacramento Kings, yeah. and Boogie Cousins will probably agree with me. He, he tweeted out, Lord, give me strength after Georgius Papagiannis was picked first, number best, 13 overall. Best tweet ever, by the way? Yeah, best tweet ever for the during the draft, because even even Boogie knows, well, Boogie was probably thinking, what is my front office doing? Unless, unless the Kings are preparing to let go of Boogie Cousins, because they drafted three power forward slash centers. They drafted the guy from Greece, the seven seven foot two Papa Giannis from Greece. They drafted Scal Labissier. Labissier, sir. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Labissier, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, drafted him. He fell, apparently. He was supposed to go in the top 20, but he fell all the way to 28. Yeah. And then you got Isaiah Cousins. And, yeah, it's cool. Cousins and Cousins, haha. Very <laughs> funny. Maybe it was a joke. But, um... Not very funny if you're trying to compete in the Western Conference. Don't know what the Kings are doing. As I said, Darren Collison dealing with a alleged domestic violence situation. Rajon Rondo probably gone in free agency. So you got Malachi Richardson, which is the only pick that I saw fitting with the Kings. The other three were pretty much a waste. They're going to be bench players or they're going to be developing in the D-League team that was really confusing to me, and there was a couple, would definitely be Phoenix. I understand... That they wanted to take the coolest name in the draft, Dragon Bender. I get that. But you got Alex Len. Okay, you put Alex Len to the center. You put Dragon at the power. But then you came back and you actually traded with, with uh, excuse me, you traded and you got Chris. You took Marcus Chris, who is Darren's brother. You took him. And then you came back in the second round. And I know it was a value pick, but you took Tyler Eulis. When you have 57 point guards on your roster already, and I don't know if you're trying to make up for the trade of Isaiah Thomas a year ago. You wanted another diminutive point guard. I, I don't know. But I'm just really curious as to these teams like stacking up the same positions. But I think the most curious pick of the night would have to be Thon Maker to Milwaukee at number 10. Now, I tried to pass. 
I wasn't going to mention in Milwaukee. I tried to be nice. No, you have to. Because he's either 18 or he's 24. So that's a problem in itself. And this is a guy who, very well-spoken young man, obviously came, be, went through a lot in his life, uh, escaping the Sudan at a young age. But as far as his game is concerned, it's a work in progress. And you're Milwaukee, and you've got so many of the same pieces. You've got John Henson. You've got Greg Monroe, who you just signed, who they're looking to trade as it is. I don't know where this guy fits in, what Jason Kidd is going to do with all of these power forward types. They're, again, looking to trade Michael Carter-Williams. You've got Giannis Atatempo, who is your best player, and you're not you're just not surrounding him with what he really needs to excel. So I'm just kind of kind of dumbfounded at a lot of the moves uh i mean i guess people were were going to the old the old thing of uh best available and i I, i'm always the type of guy that doesn't agree with that but again i'm here talking to you about it i'm not making these picks unfortunately (laughs) so so be it but uh and then the denzel valentine pick i mean i get that the bulls needed a point guard technically i know they got jerry and grant from the knicks they're a little light because they got rid of Derrick Rose, but this guy's not a point guard. I know he can play it because he's he's interchangeable, but he's got two bad knees. He's basically Brandon Roy in in waiting on a countdown clock till his knees expire. Uh, it just it's not it's not a great pick at number fourteen. I I just if you if you were gonna panic and take a guy like Valentine because at least he can do a little bit of everything, I would have traded the pick. I would have gotten two picks in in return or first next year. I just I don't get what a lot of these teams are doing. I think it was desperation to a certain extent. I actually like the the, the Valentine pick, the Denzel Valentine pick. I mean, I was a fan of him since his Michigan State days. Probably the most one of the most recognizable college players in this draft. Uh, you mentioned his knee issues, and you mentioned Brandon Roy, which was a comparison made during the telecast. But I, um, someone made the point, I think it was Jay Bills made the point, that Brandon Roy had a really good six or seven years. And if the Bulls can get a good six or seven years out of Denzel Valentine, out of this crapshoot, that, that's a pretty decent situation. Uh, I, I'm pretty, pretty lukewarm on the pick. I don't feel they could have done that much better. I mean, who, who, what, they, what were they going to do with that pick? Who were they going to go with? They didn't go with Denzel Valentine. The guy is a versatile guy. He played three positions. What more could you want? At that point in the draft, similar to the Nets, injuries kind of, I don't want to say go out of the window, but people value the potential if a, per, if a player stays healthy over the potential of him, I guess, flaming out for two years due to a, an injury. I mean, everyone is not Derrick Rose. Some people will actually be able to withstand uh, the rigors of the NBA. That wasn't a shot at Derrick Rose. I'm just saying, people. We'll talk about Derrick Rose a little later. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with the Bulls pick. I, I did feel sorry for someone, though. Deontay Davis was projected to, I believe, go in the top 15. And he winds up dropping to the first pick in the second round. And it was kind of, it was kind of embarrassing. He went to the Celtics. It was kind of embarrassing because... You can kind of see the disappointment on his face. Lisa Salters was interviewing the prospects right they were drafted, and his answers were pretty much like, I'm disappointed. I don't want to be here. Get the camera out of my face. Yeah. I was supposed to go within the top 15 picks, and I'm, I was there to the second round. And I don't blame him, but you got to understand that, again, the draft is a crapshoot, and once you get to the Celtics, you got to prove these people wrong. Add that, he did say this to his credit. He said, it's a chip on my shoulder. I have to prove that I belong, and it doesn't matter where I get drafted as long as I'm playing. And I'm all for that, but yeah. he, you could tell that he was clearly, clearly disappointed. Yeah, so he, I felt sorry. He pulled the Jaleel Okafor at the uh, Sixers, uh, you know, 
the Sixers conference last year. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, he has a possibility to get a role in Boston because Boston's front court isn't that strong. They got they got a couple of free agents in the front court. I mean, you don't think he can get some minutes over Amir Johnson or Kelly Olynyk? I mean, it could happen. Yeah, as he should. But I think it comes down to it's that guaranteed contract. It's the fact that he was one <laughs> slot away from getting that. What is it? Four years. Yeah, four year guaranteed money, and now he's only he's he's not guaranteed anything. You know, he, I mean, he'll make the team because he's a good enough talent, but anything's possible. If he gets hurt, you know, knock on wood, he doesn't. Anything is possible, and I and I hate the fact that Marcus Page, who you know many would say shouldn't even have been picked, but regardless, he was in that white side trade, is going to Utah because they've got more guards than you can shake a stick at. I don't I don't know if he'll make the team. I really don't. Uh, Exum's coming back from injury. They still have Trey Burke. I, that's another team that doesn't really have much of an identity and is going in the wrong wrong direction. Uh, so a confusing, confusing place for. Uh, I actually was kind of happy that I thought when before the trade went down, I was like, oh, a reason for me not to bash the Nets. And then he was traded, so the the Nets bashing is back on, Mo. You gotta, you gotta, you know, real back on the Nets bashing. I mean, they're trying to build an identity. They they picked the hometown kid. They got a go- they got a kid with a good suit on. Oh, great! That's that's you, what you're gauging. How can you hate suit how can game? You hate on that. So you're gauging suit game because you traded your only legitimate player, and we'll talk no, about him second, a little later. Second yeah. best player, second best player behind Brook Lopez. Uh, you, you let me know when Brook Lopez actually plays more than sixty games and doesn't have a foot problem, and then I'll put him on the list. The hate is so real baby right feet, now. But baby feet, Brooke. The hate is so real right now, but we're going to, you know what we're going to do? We're going to address the other Yeah, I knew it was coming. We haven't even talked about I knew it was coming. the top two picks in the draft. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh we're not going to, we're not going to bash on, on my thing. Okay, let's, let's do that. Let's go with top two because that was, that was our biggest discussion over the past, over the past yes. couple months. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sure. And I, and who was and who was and who called it? You you were correct. No, you were correct. And I I've been on. I knew for the past month he would be the first pick. Do I agree with it? Still, no. Does does Rick Buecher agree with it? No. He he actually. <laughs> Rick Buecher. Hey, Rick Buecher is an insider. He knows what he's talking about. And I yeah, he, te- he I does. tend to agree. Shout I, out to Rick Buecher. Yeah. He works for Bleacher Report. Sure. That's, you know, I'm I'm cool with him. But I'm I'm just saying this isn't ESPN. This isn't Bleacher Report. This is the Mike and Mo Show. So we value our opinions right now more than Rick Buecher's. Absolutely. And I'll say to Rick Buecher, I disagree with you because Ner- we all know that Nerlens Noel or Jaleel Okafor will probably be moved soon. When? Not gonna, there's when? no way they keep. What was that? When? Because if they should have moved, they should have moved one of them for the third overall pick, and you could have got your point guard of the future. That's true, and maybe they have another plan in mind. Maybe they have another player in mind. Uh, but there's no way that you start the season with Nerlens Noel, Jamil Overport, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid, and none of them can hit a 15 foot well, jumper. And, and, maybe, and no, if Dario Sakic comes from Europe, although it's not a it's not a definite yet, but it's possible. Did, to, yeah, too many big did, guys. Just, yeah, there's just no way. They're going to trade one or two guys. So somebody's going to move, and they're going to make a move for a shooter or a point guard. You just know it's going to happen. I will admit this, that Brandon Ingram is the safer pick because – he what he does is he shoots, he plays defense. I mean, you don't lose your jumper overnight, so the chances of him being a poor shooter in NBA are very low. So at the very least, he's going to be a decent shooter. With Ben Simmons, he has higher ceiling, but he could. People are saying he can't be a bust. He he definitely can be a bust. Oh yeah. And people people over talk about his ability not to shoot, 
it's just the fact that in today's NBA, you have to be able to spread the floor. And I know he's a good passer and he can rebound and he can play a little bit of defense, but being that he cannot shoot and he cannot create his own shot, that could be a problem, especially yeah. with the Sixers when you have a lack of talent on that roster. So there is some bust potential there, even though I don't see it. I see him being a decent player. People are already comparing him to Magic Johnson and LeBron James. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, people are already comparing him to Magic Johnson and LeBron James. I'm like, no. whoa. No. I'm not that high on it. I'm saying he could be a B player. And and right now, a B player for the 76ers is, is pretty good because they, they have a bunch of D's and F's. No, that, that's true. <laughs> but a B player with the number one overall pick is, is such a gamble. And I know that it wasn't a super draft, but... But you drafted you get with the what was it with the twenty twenty six pick they took a guy who's going to play potentially the same position in the NBA they took they took the kid from France uh, Timothy Luau who is who is a slasher who can shoot so you got a guy who's gonna who potentially could be your small forward yes you could have put him you can put him at the two but they're already saying that unless something freakish happens where this guy really I don't know, d- develops a shot, they're going to put him at the small, small forward position because of his height. So how, and if he doesn't play defense, like you just stated, how are you going to let him guard Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, can, Carmelo Anthony? He can, he, he's not, okay, he may not be as good as a defender as maybe Ingram on a, on a collegiate level, but he's he's got the body, and all he, he doesn't have to be a lockdown defender. He just needs to put a body on somebody. Be able to just contest a shot. As long as he's interested, you can always fix a person's defense if they're willing to get better on that end of the court. Sure. That's not an issue, but it's harder to, to develop a shot versus to develop at least decent defense, unless you're James Harden. But um, again, I, I like the pick because you don't really, I don't, I didn't really see an A player. Like, there was no Carl Anthony Towns in this draft. There was no LeBron James in this draft. You just didn't have that. I, I think you just had a couple. You had maybe three B players. And the rest, maybe A. Again, I like this Sabonis kid, but yep. he's probably after that. I, I just, you really, you don't know what you have. A player can get injured. There's players that just don't have the versatility that they need in NBA, and I and I attribute it to the one-and-done system. These players are not developed once they get to the league. Back then, Way back when, you played three, four years, and you have more polished players. You just don't have that. And now, once they get to the NBA, these teams have to depend on their scout team and developmental squad to be league to develop these players, and sometimes it just doesn't work out because you're putting a young kid in a millionaire situation in a different environment. And it, it's for some, it ruins them, so it's sink or swim. But again, with Ben Simmons, I think I think he'll be fine. But I don't see him on the Magic Johnson, LeBron James level. No, and I'm and I'm always very skeptical of drafting a guy with the first overall pick in any draft, NFL, MLB, whatever it is, if he has some kind of character issues. You know, we've heard the fact that he barely could maintain a 2.0 GPA while in school. Uh, he missed a lot of classes. He uh, the other night was we've said you saw uh, Tracy McGrady on the jumps uh, said that he was in a suite with with him himself and and the great uh, Vince Carter I don't know if I should say great but Vince Carter and uh, the great Vince Vince Sanity and uh, you know and the great Boston Boston Celtic Mr Basketball 
and they're all there and this guy walked in and he didn't introduce himself and he kept his head down and he was kind of you know mute and and again it can go many different ways he could just be shy he's a kid from australia yeah. who knows anything's possible but he's just again we talk about setting your just setting yourself up for success and it's just not a good look he knew it was going to be the first first overall pick and you're just, you're just putting more undue pressure on yourself and as it is we know from speaking with our favorite uh listener the philly fan philly is not it's not an easy city to play in I hope we actually we should get the Philly fan to, to get some thoughts on on, uh, on the first overall pick. But regardless, it uh, it's not an easy place to succeed if you don't have that fan base behind you. So I just hope for his sake that you know things get become a little bit more smoother. Because what I like so much about my man Brandon Ingram is that not only did he go to Duke, but he seems to really have a good head on his shoulder. And I think with the Lakers, it's, it's a perfect opportunity. Uh, new coach, young team. And he said it. He's ready to be a leader. And I think that's exactly what that team needs, especially with the knucklehead out of the Ohio State University. But before we get to the open mic segment, let's end this cold open with what you've been holding so long. Let it go, Mo. What, what do you what do you say? I have no idea what you're Oh about. you oh you're gonna you're gonna play you're gonna play down? Let's let's just get to it. Let's just get to the Orlando Magic. Let's just let's just talk I, about I, let's let's just talk about it. I, I thought you wanted to say that, but since you no, asked let's just get it out of the way. Since you asked, I guess I had to fire shots anyway. <laughs> yeah. But the Orlando Magic, I, I first I will admit I told Mike. Mike overreacted. I thought Mike overreacted to the Orlando yes, Magic. Yes, you thought. Well, no, Mike is is on the pulse of everything Orlando Magic. Always. Well, not anymore, I, but yeah. And I said, Mike, you're you're overreacting to this trade. It's fine. Obaka will go there, and he'll be a main option on you know on the on the offensive side. He'll play some defense. He'll be better because he doesn't have to share. Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook. Then I realized that he's on an expiring contract. Yep. Which means once the season's over and he decides to go elsewhere, the Magic basically gave up Oladipo, Elisova, and and Sabonis for absolutely nothing. Yep. They just let him go. So yeah, that's 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 a huge problem for the Magic. I hate it. I don't know what they're doing. Rob Hennigan, your boy. Terrible. I don't know what he's doing. He has no idea. Uh, I, I don't I just don't get it and they just kind of to me they just they they mistakenly put their chips to the middle of the table for the next season yeah when they don't have the parts to win now like no. you only make that move if you feel like he was the last piece to a puzzle for a championship team or a championship run mm-hmm. and the magic haven't even made the playoffs in recent history so what are you doing making this trade for a one-year rental that could just say adios next year now the magic do own his bird right so they can pay him more than any team but does he really like disney world like that Maybe. does he really like seeing the jacksonville jaguars on his off time Possibly. like that yeah i don't think so no. and i think he goes elsewhere he probably wants to play for a contender because after you've gone from one one play away from going to the nba finals to the orlando magic who had like two percent chance of making the playoffs yeah i'd want to leave too yeah, I, I'm. I was shocked. Um, I kind of dismayed. I get that they threw in Ilyasova. The Magic were more than likely going to cut him anyway. And as it turns out, Ilyasova might actually be the starting power forward for Oklahoma City uh, come opening night. So he might be, you know, a great toss in. Oladipo should excel with the Thunder, even if he doesn't start. Even if they bring back. Uh, everybody's favorite delinquent there, Deion Waiters. They bring back Oladipo, and he comes off the bench. He just he adds so much defense. So the Magic traded their only guy that plays defense, and I realized they got Serge Ibaka. But Serge Ibaka, and, and, and I'll give Serge Ibaka this. He said that he was upset that he was 
played in a stretch four position. He did not want to be a stretch four. He wants to be the defender. He wants to be a guy that plays down low. Okay, great. That's what the Magic need. Uh, But obviously his defense was one of the reasons that Billy Donovan moved him to a stretch four position because it wasn't quite as good. And Steven Adams was the main defender. So I don't know if Serge Ibaka has the defensive ability. He's still only 26. He's still a young man, and Rob Hennigan thinks that he has many, many more years uh, of better basketball in him. Well, he better hope so. So like you said, Rob Hennigan is all in, but this is another desperation move. Uh, you know, I saw the war room when, when they took, uh, they took Sabonis, they were excited. I thought because they were excited about the pick. Well, it was excited because they got the guy that obviously the Thunder wanted. And again, Sabonis is another great guy that's going to fit right into that Oklahoma City rotation. So they make out like bandits. The, the magic are just so convoluted. Now you're telling me that you're going to put Aaron Gordon, who I really, really like as a small forward and okay, his defense is good, but he is not. His offensive game is not at a consistent level, especially his jump shot, regardless if he shot 30% or not last year. He is not at the point that you can give him the ball and he can create his own shot. He just can't. He can't dribble like that. So that's out of the way. And you've still got Alfred Payton, who is so all over the board, will score 20 one night, will score nothing the next night, will dish out four one night, 15 the next night. So and you, I guess you've got to re-sign Fournier now because, again, the Magic are afraid to not make a move. It's the same thing they did with Tobias Harris last year. They were forced to give him a four-year, $64 million deal. So I guess they'll do that again. But it still doesn't clear up the Hazonia deal. It, you still got Vukovic, who I really like as well, but is just an offensive center. And what does your bench look like? You have no bench. You've still got a lot of money. But do you think that people are going to want to come to play in Orlando because of Serge Ibaka? especially when he has a one-year deal uh, and now. And you know what? If Oklahoma City, who that he played for six years, felt that they couldn't re-sign him because he didn't want, to be, didn't want to be the number three option, and I'm all for that, but he wanted to get paid. He wants to get that $26 million max deal next year. And if the Magic are crazy enough to if – he, if he has a good year, they have to give it to him. If he has a bad year, they still have to give it to him because they traded the number two overall pick from two, two and a half years ago in Victor Oladipo, the 11th pick, and Ilyasova for, what, nothing? And then you traded Tobias Harris for Ilyasova and Brandon Jennings, and now they're both gone. So you're making trades for absolutely no reason. You're just like a hamster on a wheel. You're just going around and around in circles, and Rob Hennigan, it's all on the line. So I understand why he's doing this to save his job, but I really think that what everything you've been doing up to this point was to try to build from within and get get better you've completely blown that up so now you better go out and spend all that money you've got to get any and every possible uh free agent name that you can whether it's howard horford chandler parsons it, the, the rebuild is over it's completely over you've shot that to the moon so if you're going to come keep this team that you have and just add serge Ibaka and a couple bench pieces then um you're not going to make the playoffs again, and you're going to be on the unemployment line next year. Yeah, one step forward, two steps back for the Orlando Magic. Yeah. I remember how I think you were excited about having the pick with its bonus name. Yeah, it. loved it. It just kind of went down the tubes after that. Yep. I, my apologies, Mike. Again, okay. uh, doesn't think the Magic are going to be anywhere, unless they have a, a spectacular free agency period. They're probably not going to go anywhere. But let, let's look at the yeah. positive side. I mean, let's look at the Thunder. I think the Thunder did a good job in trying to convince Kevin Durant to stay with this move because now you upgraded your two-guard position. You added depth. Serge Ibaka's not there complaining. Yeah. And Steven Adams has stepped up. 
So the Thunder should be in the thick of things again. Yeah, great move. Great move for Oklahoma City. It, it was said that uh, for whatever reason, Abaka didn't get along with Durant. Durant and Durant basically didn't really care if they traded him. Uh, Russell Westbrook doesn't get along with anyone, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I thought at first when this deal went down, I was like, oh, oh no, that means Durant's definitely going to leave. And of course, you know, you and I want him to be in the garden. I don't, you know, that's a pipe dream. But yeah. Uh, yeah, as far as the Magic concerned, uh, I understand why it's hard to be a Magic fan, and and um, obviously me living here, being around it, speaking to the community, I could not find a person today that liked it, and I'm sure there's one guy out there that does, but uh, stop fooling yourself because at the end of the day, this is exactly what the Magic shouldn't have done, but did, and it, and it's really just it's a panic move. It's a panic move, and and I guess that was really my theme for the NBA draft this year was panic moves. All around, except for the Knicks, because we didn't have a pick. So I'm really excited about that. But we'll get more into the Knicks in just a little bit. And that is it for the cold open. We've got a lot more basketball coming back, so stay tuned. And now, open mic is right on the way. Open mic. Say what you will about Phil Jackson, but he is making New York basketball relevant once again, so there's been, there's been a lot of debate in the news. If Derrick Rose, was it a right move? Was it a wrong move? Everybody's got their funny memes about him coming to New York and getting hurt already or being in an ambulance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chuckle, chuckle. This is going to go the way of uh, everybody bashing LeBron for me. I just want I want Rose to shut everybody up and to, to even be half of the semblance of the player he once was. But no, you know how I feel, right? Yeah, you know how I, feel. I get it. But you're 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 a man, and obviously we know that you know. For those that don't know, or for those that do, Mo is is a fantastic editor for the Empire Writes Back, which is on Fan Sided. And at first, when this came out, that the speculation was happening, Mo was totally against it, and you can read that piece. And then when it went down, Mo was kind of totally for it. So Mo, where do you stand? Because we know where I stand. I love it. I I love moves in general. I love talking Knicks basketball. But what? Where where are you? now exactly i like to shout out my calls for throwing me under the bus totally. right now that was that was great all the time Shots fine. you feel that though? <laughs> yeah i definitely felt that four-wheeler rolling over good. my spine there like good but um the reason i was against the trade initially was because i didn't want the knicks to give up the farm and future first round picks for Derek rose mm-hmm. i wasn't for that sure. but when i saw the actual trade that they they basically gave up a, a developmental point guard and jerry and grant mm-hmm they gave up Robin Lopez, which which is a hit. But if you think about the free agency crop now with the bigs that are going to be available, yeah, it's not. They can wind up with a better center than than Robin Lopez. Sure. So that's that's not a huge hit, and and you you get Justin Holiday, which isn't a big deal. I mean, he's he's probably going to be gone next year anyway, so no big deal there. But getting Rose, and also how could I forget Jose Calderon's carcass is now leaving Madison Square Garden. Hallelujah. So. So, so you you giving up basically a, a point guard that wasn't there yet, a point guard that was on a sharp decline, who's turning thirty five in September, and Robin Lopez, who you're probably going to upgrade on a free agency. So to me, that the trade what he pulled off was fine. The fact that he was able to pull that off to me, good for the Knicks. My only problem with the trade that people just don't seem to understand, and I posted the video in the article in the initial reaction article to the Rose trade in two thousand fifteen last year. On the Bulls Media Pro Day, he talks about free agency in 2017. He talks about the NBA and these GMs giving out cash and 
Look how they're giving out all the money. He is playing for a lucrative deal, and it's nothing wrong with that. Go get your money. Go get your buckets. I don't have a problem with that. But let's say Derrick Rose has a good season. Then the pressure's on because then you have to decide, do I fully invest in an injury-prone point guard or do I let him go? And if you let him go, Knicks fans will have a fit. They will treat him like the next Kobe Bryant. They'll say, why did you get rid of him? He had a great season. But you got to understand he has an injury history. So all that money, and again, the cap is going up next year. So you're going to have to pay him an an absorbent amount of dollars to keep him in Madison Square Garden. And Phil Jackson already said, yes, we see Rose as a long-term solution, but we'll revisit that conversation after the season. Let's see what he does. But if Rose even plays decent, people are going to say, you got to keep him. You got to keep him. And then they're going to have to pay him a boatload of money. And I'm just not on board with that. People are not thinking that far into the future. Just They're just thinking about tomorrow because Knicks fans are so starved for success that they don't see down the line how this could be a problem. But, yeah, fine. You know, celebrate. Have a party. Throw your balloons. Yes, the next season will be interesting with Rose. The Knicks will be a better team. I see them making the playoffs. But, again, like I said, the big thing is how are you going to keep this intact? Because the Knicks are not winning a title next year. So you got to figure, if he plays well, do you invest in him to help you to a title and add more pieces, or what? What do you do? So that's my only problem with the trade, is that there's a lot of uncertainty still left on the table. Well, the thing is, is that he's still only 28, and it seems like he's been in the NBA for 15 years, but he hasn't. And I know he's he actually played over 65 games last year, which was the first time since, like, 2012. But he doesn't have a ton of mileage on his body per se. Yes, the body has, you know, broken down on him, uh, you know, in the past plenty of times. But all of a sudden, he started to look like a little bit of the Derrick Rose that we all fell in love with. So if he has a great, look, if he has a great year, so be it. We make the playoffs. Even if he leaves, if Phil can replace him with a Russell Westbrook, then everybody in New York will be happy. Just like everybody is happy right now. What is the worst that could possibly happen? He has a great year and he leaves. The best that happens is he has a great year and he signs for not a stupid amount of money. Or he gets hurt and it's a one-year deal. So it's not a gamble. It's, that's that's my, my, my most important point to everybody talking about this trade is that it at least puts the Knicks in the conversation for the playoffs next year before they go out and maybe target a big-time center. Obviously, they should. And they get a lot of bench help because they only have five players currently signed to the roster but it it's a positive it's not it's not a negative and it still sets the Knicks up for the future even if the future isn't right now there's still plenty good that comes with his 22 million dollar contract coming off the books in 2017 yeah that's the thing that they're only gonna have three contracts on the books next year Kyle Quinn Carmelo Anthony and Chris House Porzingis so essentially if Rose if they don't resign Rose or if they feel that the money's too much for him They'll be back to square one, which is where they were before they signed. Exactly. So your main two pieces are Porzingis and, and Melo. But the thing is, you don't understand the hate that's going to be hurled toward Phil Jackson if he lets D. Rose. You're going to get all these sappy Nick fans saying, yeah, Phil ruined it because he didn't re-sign D. Rose. I'm like... No, but you did hear you did hear yeah. D Rose today in the press conference, and he said, "I yeah. want to finish Drop my net bombs." I well, that too, but yeah, he said, "I want to. I plan on finishing my career as a Nick. I do not want to go anywhere." So at least he's saying the right things, regardless if he's telling the truth or not. 
Come on. He, he's giving you lips. Yeah, so what? Yeah, we, but he's giving you lip service. Yeah, I want to finish my... He's not going to tell you I want to finish in Milwaukee. What else is he going to say? <laughs> of course he's going to say that. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm usually the pessimist. You're the pessimist when it comes to the New York Knicks, okay? Because I'm trying to keep the happy face on, and I'm trying to keep it one hundo, but you are just burying everybody over here. Listen, listen, I I like Derek. When he came to leave, I like Derek Rose. That was 2009. I I, I have nothing against him as a person. No, well, why should you? You don't don't know him? Yeah, I don't know him, but, but, but... I don't want fans to get too attached to Derrick Rose thinking it's the greatest thing ever because it can end so quickly. Remember, be like Eli Manning. Not too high, not too low. Right in the middle because it could be swept from you in a second just like that. Because Derrick Rose's knees, he may be 28, but those knees are about 33 years old. Yeah, well, you just and told me that Denzel Valentine, even if he gets six years off his knees, it's worth it. So, you know what? If we get one year off of D. Rose, I'm happy. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, I'm, thro- I'm throwing... to one year, and Denzel is a young kid. Yeah, well, Rose... Rose is only 28. Rose... He's only 28. Denzel's like, what, 22? He was a senior. Yeah, but Rose has seven, eight years of rigor in the NBA. Yeah, Denzel, Denzel played college. The youngest the youngest MVP of all time and he can't take that away from him so you know what fire me up a number 25 jersey I will be there Mo you know what right now I'm going to make you eat your words just like I did last year with Porzingis when we get to the playoffs and we upset the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round (laughs) if I had the power to I would tell the producer to cut the show off because you were going Way too far with this Rose talk. Way out of bounds. Look, I'm just and, happy. And just, okay, just, just. Okay, try. Don't take it You're away happy. from me. Don't take my joy away. I, I, okay, I understand. You had a heartbreak with the Orlando Magic. I'm done. To I'm done with the Magic. I'm done. We're done with them. And, and I totally understand. But sometimes Nick fans can be so. They're like kids. Sometimes it's like you give them a lollipop, and they think it's the best thing in the world. And it's like calm down because that lollipop's are gonna last you ten minutes. You're gonna be crying for another one. But okay. regardless, so, it's better than what we had. That's that's my biggest point. Is it better yeah, than what we had? Yeah, see, that's that's my thing. I don't have a problem with the trade. I said it, it was a good trade. I don't mind Derrick Rose coming here. I'm just saying, don't get your hopes too high. Don't say, oh, because I'm seeing memes of people saying, oh, if you weren't a Nick fan back then, don't be a Nick fan now because we go in places. And I'm like, yeah, you go into the playoffs. Melo did that when he first came, mm-hmm. and then it went downhill. So like. Relax. Hey. Let's just let's just see what Rose does. That's fine. I I, I agree. But when you're a Nick fan, you got to win the little battles. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's been a long road. This is the first real point guard we've had since like you know Earl the Pearl. It's it's been a long time. It's like it's like it's like you. It's like a guy who's never had a female's attention goes to the strip club <laughs> and he gets that 15 minutes of, of attention from from Genesis at the at the Genesis. Club, damn. And he thinks yeah, and he thinks that. Yeah, you know, I did it. She's a stripper, dude. Like, she's supposed to give you attention. But she loves me, bro. Bro, she loves me. Exactly. Like, Derrick Rose is obviously going to play his heart out. Not because he's in Madison Square Garden, but because he's trying to get paid. And he said it on video. He's trying to get paid. Hey, you're more money, more buckets. So, hey. uh, Yeah, that's what I said. Go get your money. I have a problem with that either. I don't have a problem with him getting his money. I don't have a problem with the trade. I have a problem with Knicks fans getting way too high and yes you have to win the little battles because the Knicks don't win a lot of them no but don't set yourself up for the roller coaster ride we are way up here 
and then you're down in the dumps next year. Just don't do it. I'm just want, I want to see Derrick Rose do do well. So even if he does well, it's not a shot at me. Won't be shots fired at me. I'll be happy for him. Yeah, you must be this but tall to ride the ride. Just curb, just curb your enthusiasm just a little, just a little bit, just a little bit. But uh, I want to get to something real quick. Okay. Because I did post an article before I came on air about Derrick Rose wanting Joe Joe Noah to come to the Knicks, and I do feel it's a good move if, if Noah does come to the Knicks because it adds a rim protector. He can pass really well and it suits the triangle really well. But Joe Kim Noah had injury problems last year. Yes, the first year he's really had, I guess, significant injury problems, but you don't want Rose and Noah both in suits on the bench. I'm not against them getting Noah if he comes, but as you noted on Twitter, you tweeted me about this, that the Wizards are are offering the farm for this guy. Yeah, that's crazy. So if they sign him and the Knicks run up with Dwight Howard, I'm not mad at that because Dwight Howard can still give you a double-double and two blocks a game. Yeah, I'm not giving— I really want— I really want the Knicks to land Hassan Whiteside. No, 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 no. That guy is, he, no, he's too aloof. He is, he's the epitome of aloof. And I know he's young. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll get it together. But I'd rather, I'd rather not. That's, that's a gamble. I mean, yes, it, I, it, look, anybody, anything that helps taking away anything from the heat, I'm all for that. But I'd rather somebody else deal with the, the possibilities of Hassan Whiteside and us just Get get somebody that's consistent, you know, in his approach. And if and if the Wizards want to give Noah one hundred and forty million dollars, then by all means they can give it to him because that's that's so, absurd. So you'd rather the Knicks give Noah all that money? No, than no, no. Of course not. No, I would rather give Dwight Howard like what we gave Robin Lopez, a four year, fifty okay. something million. I, I like Whiteside's game, but he's just not consistent enough. And I know it's probably because he hasn't played long enough. But he's kind of he's a big knucklehead. And in New York. Really, we don't. We just do not need a knucklehead in New York because there's enough questions with like we just went over. Derrick Rose. I want somebody in the middle that at least, like you said, give me a double double every night. Play good defense. That's what I want. And you know whether that's Al Horford who is undersized but would be a fine addition, or Dwight Howard who you know would probably be the best of the best if he can get out of his own head, which is a question in itself. But there are options, and I think they all are all better than what we gave up in Brooklyn. Uh, excuse me, in Robin Lopez. But you know, time will tell. I, I certainly just wouldn't give all that money to to uh, Jokum, and and I think Whiteside is going to want that, if not more. He probably will, but you got to go with Agent Block. You got to go with Count Blocky Love. The guy had a triple double <laughs> with blocks. Who does that? Yeah. Like sure. seriously, who does that? And and the Knicks would get that. You're getting an automatic, not an automatic, but you're getting a double-double on most nights and nearly four blocks a game. Yeah, well, the Knicks had the That's, opportunity to sign him, uh, was it last year, to their summer league team before the, he got him and they passed. So, yeah, there's that. Well, uh, well, then a lot of teams pass on him because yeah. he's a late bloomer. Sure. So there's that, too. But now I'm sure when he becomes available, there will be a lot of suitors. I, I read it somewhere where he wouldn't mind playing for the Knicks and Master Square Garden. Who knows? Maybe Phil Jackson can get through to him. I mean, he got through to Dennis Rodman in his heyday. Hey, I mean, if, so, he, if he can pull us on, then it's a good move. At least Phil is definitely not only are we getting younger, we're getting more athletic. I'm all for it. I just, you know, I, you always got to err on a side of caution with somebody that has those issues in the past. But it's all right. Let's uh, let's go to Indiana, where uh, Mo's, Mo's longtime listener lives. And uh, I don't know how she <laughs> feels about Jeff Teague, but I do know that she, Dennis, she likes him probably, right? Dennis, Dennis Schroeder's got to be happy in Atlanta because he's finally going to get the opportunity to play the point. Mm-hmm. I, I posted this for her because I knew it would excite her. Apparently, Jeff Teague is an Indiana kid. Like yeah. he, I guess he's born in Indiana. She pointed that out to me. I didn't know that. 
Very, she's a very uh, knowledgeable best mind, by the way. Yeah, hey, Laura, Laura the Barber doing big things. She she, uh, she drops some facts. She drops some gems on Facebook, so watch out for that. But uh, <laughs> she was pretty happy with the move. She was happy with Jeff T coming over, and then she was even more happy about Thad Young coming over because now you have a complete starting lineup. you got Miles Turner, who's on the come up, Thaddeus Young at, at the four. You got Paul George, Monte Ellis, and Jeff Teague, which is, again, as a complete lineup. I, I, I said this before, and I said it to her, Laura, online, that Pacers are the number two team in the Eastern Conference automatically. I don't think they're better than the Cleveland Cavs right now, but they will be competing again with the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's it's just pretty sad because I, I want people want probably want me to say the Knicks, but the Cavs lineup has, starting lineup has no holes in it. The Knicks are still unfinished business. They still have to do more, make more signings to complete that starting lineup in that team because they don't even have a bench right now. So, so then, in your estimation, as Captain Captain Net was that was was it worth trading Thaddeus Young for the twentieth pick in Levert and his ugly suit? Uh, absolutely not. It yeah. was a bad trade for the Nets, but I guess they felt like Sean Marks is a general manager. He just took over. They got Kenny Atkinson there being head coach, and I guess they felt that it's time to start over. So basically, they just traded away a contract to free up free up money because they have a lot of money. It's just that I don't think people are going to want to come to Brooklyn because they don't have anything outside of Brook Lopez. Mm-hmm. But it was again that was a bad I mean bad trade considering talent wise. But considering what the Nets probably wanted to do or had in mind, they probably knew they were going to go into full rebuild mode, and they accomplished that. And so I, I try not to look at it from their point of view because we look at it as like that's horrible. Like you, you're giving away a proven 15 to nine player for an injured player who had three surgeries on his left foot. It just doesn't make sense in that sense. But again, it's full rebuild in Brooklyn, so I understand it. I look at it from the Pacers' perspective. Why wouldn't you make that deal? As we just said, we've been saying it throughout the whole episode. The NBA draft is a crapshoot, and at number 20, you're probably not going to get a player that's going to start right away. So why not trade it for a player who will start right away at that young at the power forward position? So you got to like what Larry Bird did. It was a good day for a former Celtic in Larry Bird, bad day for a former Celtic in Danny H. Yeah, I just don't quite understand. George Hill to the Jazz, another point guard, so I actually forgot to add him into that equation. So you <laughs> you've now have four point guards on your roster, and Torian Prince, so I, I guess... Atlanta is trying to find a Damari Carroll because it's a it's a guy that plays good defense, but he gives you nothing on offense. So if you lose Horford, uh, that's a team that's going in the wrong direction as well. Uh, and now you got to hope Dennis Schroeder steps up. He played really well off the bench, but you know uh, it's a it's an all different game when you're when you're the playmaker. So time will tell. I'm, I'm gonna go on a little tangent here. I'm okay. sorry, but okay. I have to address this. Right. Okay, the Knicks signed undrafted free agent Ron Baker. Yeah. He played two seasons with Clay Anthony early, and they're comparing him to Kyle Korver. And I and this popped in my head because we were you were just talking about the Hawks. And can we stop the whole look-alike comparison thing? Just because one player looks like another player doesn't mean that that's his pro comparison. Oh, you so you mean that that not not much so much his game, like his physical attributes. Right. Okay. People will take and analysts do this all day. I see it all the time. I won't mention what network. Jalen Rose. Do this all day. Jalen Rose. They, <laughs> I'm not saying it because, <laughs> hey, I, I, hey Jalen, I didn't say it. No shots fired from Brooklyn. I did. From Orlando. But um, stop doing this. Oh, his pro comparison is this guy. And you look at the guy and they're like, okay, they look alike. But their games are nothing alike. Like Ron Baker is being compared to Kyle Korver. And I get it kind of because Ron Baker could shoot. But Ron Baker actually plays real defense. Yeah. When's the last time Kyle Korver has locked somebody down? He doesn't have that. 
Ron Baker can also create his own shot, even though it's inconsistent. He really can't do it on a consistent basis, but he can. Kyle Korver is catch and shoot. He is not. He's not taking more than four dribbles with the basketball. It's not going to happen. Ron Baker can do that. Now, Ron Baker is not the shooter that Kyle Korver is. He could be if he flourishes, but their games are not compatible. I would compare Ron Baker to Gary Harris on the Denver Nuggets because, again, two-way player. He can play a little bit of defense, grab some steals, you know, stand in front of the ball, handler, and, and contest a couple of shots, and then shoot the three pretty well. They call it three and D type of player. But he is he's more Gary Harris than Kyle Korver. So my my PSA to people, stop with the look like comparisons. Look at the actual game and compare it because you very rarely hear about these interracial pro comparisons. You hardly ever hear a white player compared to a black player. It's always two guys who look similar. Just stop it. Stop it. Uh, hey, I mean. Can't uh, can't argue with that. And then uh, for you Nick fans, uh, they did sign another undrafted rookie, Marshall Plumley at a Duke. Um, big yeah, body, like the eighth Plumley. Yeah, the yeah, NBA. the fifty fifth Plumley to play in the NBA. He's <laughs> he was the eighty first best prospect according to Draft Express. Yes, he only averaged eight points, but he averaged eight boards, and he's basically playing for free. So again, some nice signings that the Knicks picked up. These were back of the bench types of guy. Although I do like Ron Weasley. Uh, Ron, what was his name? Ron Baker. Uh, I think he'll be. I think he'll be solid for the Knicks. And uh, you know, as long as he doesn't get shot outside a nightclub like other Wichita State players, everything oh, will uh, be fine. Uh, Who? About shots fired. Big time. But you that is. You. I'm. I'm gonna just leave it. I'm gonna leave it. That. I'm gonna leave it at that. But that you is. You went there. Though. You went there. <laughs> hey, hey. You do the crime. <laughs> Pay the time or whatever it is. I don't know. But anyway, we'll be right back with Momentum, and Mo will have plenty more things to say. We'll be right back. It's now time for Building Momentum. For the greatest German in all the world to finally get his money, because last year he took a huge pay cut. He took $8 million from Mark Cuban and company, because he wanted to win. So what did they do with his money? They gave it to Wes Matthews. They gave $16 million to Wes Matthews. Wow. So he opted out. It's understandable, Dirk. Opted out. Now, there are reports that say that Golden State is obviously going to target Durant as hard as they possibly can. But if they can't get him, they want to go after Dirk. Now, is this... An, is this a possibility one mo and and, we, and i have obviously we've all heard that dirk said unless the mavs are playing five freshmen next year or freshmen or rookies that he's gonna come back but maybe there maybe he should look elsewhere well it depends on what he wants it, it'll be kind of hard to see Nowitzki in a new uniform because he's been there for eons so i don't see why he would leave now and apparently the, the Mavericks are in play to get Dwight Howard, so they're trying to improve the roster somewhat to have to have long, someone alongside Dirk who can protect the rim. But when you think about the Golden State Warriors, they're they're in talks with a lot of you know rumors about them connecting with a lot of people. They're interested in Dirk Nowitzki at one point. They're interested in KD, obviously. They're also interested in Nick Batum, who's also who was with the Charlotte Hornets last year. So they're going to wind up with somebody. I don't think it's going to be Dirk. I think Dirk just opted out so he can get paid, and he's going to finish his career with Dallas. Apparently, I've, I've heard that uh, Mark Cuban handles his players very well, so I'm sure he'll, he's well taken care of, even outside of the money in Dallas. Why would you want to leave? He's basically a hero there. He delivered a championship there in 2000, 2011 season, beat LeBron James. 
So, yeah, he's got a, it's not like he doesn't have a title. He's not Charles Barkley. He's not Patrick Ewing. He's not Reggie Miller. He's not He's not looking for his first title. He has a ring. Yeah. And I can understand if he retires and doesn't get another one, at least he won one. No, it's So I don't, think, I don't think he's desperate to go to, to go to Golden State unless Dallas lowballs him on a contract, which I don't see happening. No, absolutely. It's, um, Derek A, it would be hard to see number 41 in any, any other uniform. But again, if he uh, if he gets upset and he, uh, the Mavericks don't come at him with a legitimate offer, which would, you would think would be one or two years in that 16 to $20 million range, anything is possible. But uh, looking at another guy that uh, wants out is uh, Gordon Hayward, and uh, which is weird because when you think of Gordon Hayward, you don't think he's the type of guy that could demand a trade but he wants out of utah and i actually thought that because this this story came out yesterday i was thinking that perhaps utah could entice uh the celtics at number three obviously they would have to give some some other pieces as well but what do you think what do you think about gordon hayward and maybe a pick next year or Derek favors type uh for that jalen brown pick at three uh i don't i that's good for the celtics i don't see why the Utah Jazz will give up arguably arguably their best player for that. I, I wouldn't if I was the Utah Jazz, but it's good for the Celtics. But um, with Gordon Hayward, I was just, I, like you, I was kind of surprised because they were on the cusp of building something I thought was could have been special. They got they got the Eiffel Tower in the middle. Derek Favors is always reliable for at least maybe a double-double on some nights. And they have 60 different point guards. One of them has to pan 65, out. 65, so... Yeah, so if you think about it, Utah Jazz were on. I viewed them like Denver Nuggets. They were on the come up, and they were one veteran away from being real contenders. And then you have this story coming out, and apparently teams inquired about him, but they didn't let him go. We'll see what happens. I know it's a pipe dream, but maybe he comes to the Knicks. <laughs> but I know that's uh, wishful thinking. We'll see what happens. Uh, he's gonna obviously play the season, and Utah Jazz will probably be. Uh, Again, the number eight, nine team, because you're going to have Minnesota moving up, and I think you're going to have Denver moving up. And, and the Jazz, again, they maybe they take two or three of those point guards, trade them away for another veteran to entice them to stay, get competitive. Who knows? Right, how bad was was the 2015 free agent signing and draft when you look at the fact that uh, guys like the Lakers want to trade D'Angelo and we've already heard that the Sixers want to trade Okafor, and, and, and then you look at a guy like Greg Monroe who signed a fat deal with Milwaukee, and now they're talking about trading him. I mean, he just signed a three-year, fifty million dollar deal, and I and I know the Bucks drafted more power forwards than, than you can even name. But what is what is with these teams drafting and signing guys and then back backtracking? I mean, the Knicks just traded Robin Lopez. So is it is it is it again the the fact of it's just panic moves, or or these teams really think they're going to better themselves because the Lakers actually thought that they could have traded D'Angelo Russell and got back into the top five. If you look at it, the teams that are making these moves are, some of them are desperate teams. I hate to say it, but some of them are desperate teams. If you look at the Bucks, they really disappointed last year. A lot of people had the Bucks making the playoffs as a maybe 3, 4, or 5 seed. Crazy. And they didn't even get close. And then it's like, they're training him because Greg Monroe doesn't play defense in the center. Like, duh. We you knew that. see that when he was yeah. in Detroit. Andre Drummond was the guy who was the rim protector. Greg Monroe was the scorer. So if you did your homework, you'd know that that was his problem to begin with. I don't see why you'd act, act shocked now that he's not protecting the rim and you need a rim protector. So I don't get that. Um, Derek, I mean, Derek, Greg Monroe chose Milwaukee over New York, so I thank you know, God he ends up, he deserves it. Yeah, thank I'm so, so, I'm glad. I, I, I feel no sorrow 
for Greg Monroe. If you had just come to the Knicks in the first place, you wouldn't be in the situation where you where you're being shot. But you know, anywho, that's Greg Monroe. He made his decision. Now everyone likes the hustle and bustle of New York. I get it. Maybe you like cold Milwaukee, and that's fine. That's cool. <laughs> you know, but now you're being shopped. And who knows where you're gonna end up now? Because if the Bucks find a good deal for you, you might end up somewhere like Sacramento, where no one wants to go. Uh, and we, I'm sure you don't want that. No, because nobody can even find Sacramento on a map. Uh, sorry to my Sacramento people who are Raiders fans that are probably listening to this show because there are some Raiders fans out there. Um, I, I didn't mean any disrespect. That was Mike. Um, so making that <laughs> so, making that clear. No, but I love well, Sacramento. Sacramento is not. Sacramento is not near Oakland. First of all, that's in the Bay. Yeah, I know not that, even close. But there are right there are Raiders fans out there. They it's are, fine. Like, that's but it's true. It's just, it's not close. And anybody that lives in LA, which you know, I know quite a few. I don't think I think we drive around Sacramento, not through it. So it's all. There's a lot of lot of animosity between Sacramento and LA. It is. It's ugly. Mike is the flashy LA guy. You're ragging on the Sacramento people. Hey, listen, it's Lakers, Lakers, Kings, baby. Standing up for you, right? Yeah, it's it's remember the Queens, like Shaq said, Sacramento Queens, baby. Stop it! I was cheering for those Mike Bibby Chris. Oh, uh, of course you were. Big body Divac teams, okay? I was Just all. Making that. I was all about that Lake Show. It's all about that Lake Show. Now you weren't even. You were. Were you even in LA? No, at the time? no, of course not. But I was a Kobe lover. We know this. I always, always wanted oh, Kobe to win. Goodness. Always wanted Kobe. Oh. The dagger, the dagger in the heart. Oh. So speaking of Kobe Bryant, since you brought him up, yeah, okay. I want to make another PSA. Oh, you got I, I got animosity. You got animosity. Yeah, I, I, I gotta let this out. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mike. I gotta get this off my chest. Okay. Can we please? I'm asking politely and nicely, nice, nicely. Can we? I can't even talk. I'm so angry. <laughs> can we please stop the LeBron hate? Yes. LeBron wins a title. Preach. LeBron gets all of this. All of this. All of this. All these memes and people talking about everything about LeBron, hating on him. He wins a title, and they still hate. LeBron wins, and then they, they put comparisons between him and Jordan. Oh, he's not Jordan. They put him next to Kobe. Oh, he's not Kobe. Let me let me talk to the people who are under the age of 25 right now. He can go 82-0, okay? So Jordan did lose some games. He had some bad nights. Yes, it did happen. I know you probably didn't see it, and you're watching all these highlights on YouTube, and you're wearing his sneakers, and you think Jordan was perfect in everything that he did. He, he wasn't. Because in the first six, seven years, he couldn't even get to the NBA Finals, okay? So let's get that straight. He didn't even get, let alone get there and lose, he didn't even get there. You know why? Because the Detroit Pistons owned the league at that time. That's Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer. Rick Mahorn, those guys in the D, they were running things in Eastern Conference. Jordan had to take a couple of trips, more than a couple, six, seven trips, just to get past the trip. So let's get that straight. And I know you didn't, you guys probably didn't see that if you're under the age of 25 because that happened in the late 80s, early 90s. But it wasn't until Phil came in, Pippen was there, they added Ron Harper, Steve Kerr, Tony Kukoc. Then the Bulls became a force. Jordan didn't carry the team on his back every night. He had some help. People are saying, oh, you don't give any credit to LeBron because it was Kyrie that hit the three. Yes, we all know Kyrie hit the three to give the team the lead, the go-ahead for the, for the title. I get that. But how are they there without LeBron? How do they get there? Kyrie does not carry them there. Yes, he had a couple of good games. But look at LeBron's stats. He was the finals MVP for a reason. Okay? So this is his third title. People say, oh, he can't do it without Wade. Okay, he went to Cleveland. And we all know Kyrie is a second fiddle and loves the third fiddle, and he still got it done. He got it done for the land. Give him his credit. 
stop hating, stop being salty. He's probably going to win at least one more title because he's got about six, seven years left. Still in 31 years old. His birthday's late in the year, okay? So he's still 31. I know he looks about 40, but he's still 31, yeah. all right? So let's get that straight. Jordan wasn't perfect. Yes, Kobe had a great career, but it's time to celebrate LeBron and all his greatness. Put the hate to rest. Stop with the memes. Stop it all. Praise him. He is LeBron James. Brought the team back. Did two things that have never been done before, okay? Okay, so he came back from 3-1, which no one has done, and he led both teams in points, assists, rebounds, steals, and blocks. No one, not even Jordan, not even Kobe, not even Shaq, has done that. Stop hate. Drop the mic. Drop the yeah. mic. I mean, I, I agree. I, t- I told you from the beginning. That's why. That's probably the reason I wanted Cleveland to win because I wanted everybody to get off of LeBron's back. And I, I have such a problem with people just hating greatness, whether it's LeBron or whether it's soccer and it's Messi and Ronaldo. Just appreciate what you're getting to watch yeah. because it does not happen. And now I feel like I feel like now the hate. It's, now it's gonna be like on Derrick Rose. Now, not that Derrick Rose is obviously in the same category, but I'm just saying they, every couple years somebody picks somebody else to be the main target you know whether it was Carmelo and all of his nonsense or whatever the fact it's always it's always that one guy that is you know is at the top of his game or was at the top of his game and he's just you know he is uh, he's a bulletin board material for people to just rail on and I'm glad for I'm glad for LeBron that he can finally finally put that to rest but with that being said Mo do you are you in the I don't know I guess the minority are you in the minority of agreeing with ESPN's Jay Williams that LeBron is a better player than Michael Jordan ever was? I'll say he's more uh, evened out in his skill set. I don't want to say better because Michael Jordan had a, I under, and I understand this, Michael Jordan had a killer instinct that I don't think anyone else in the game had. I mean, just, just check out Brian Russell. Just talk to Brian Russell just for five minutes and you'll understand why. Talk to Craig Elo, okay? Talk to those guys and you'll understand Michael Jordan's killer instinct. I would say LeBron plays better on maybe. Well, actually, Jordan was pretty good on the defensive end, so I would say they're pretty even on that. But when it comes to passing the ball and getting your teammates involved, LeBron has definitely got him there as a ball distributor. And I get it because Jordan was more of an attack guy. He's going to attack. He's going to score the points. So that wasn't his game. But just like I was tell people, don't compare the two players because they are two different. It's hard to compare two players with two different tendencies. Again, Jordan was going to go in and score on you. He's going to, he knows where he's going to score. He knows that he's going to pull up his jumper and score on you. LeBron is more, I'm going to take it down the court. The offense runs through me. I'm going to get my guys involved, and together we win as a team. So in that, in that sense, I would say LeBron would be a better team player. But if I want someone in the fourth quarter with less than a minute left taking a shot, it's definitely Michael Jordan. I'll, I'll admit that. Yeah, that that's that's honestly uh, it's a fair assessment. I mean, if anybody doesn't agree with that, you know, they're, they're entitled to their own opinion. But you know, it is what it is. And it was funny. I wanted I wanted to text you last night, but there was one name that came up in the draft, and I wanted I was gonna freak out and tell you, but your boy Michael Gabonje was drafted. <laughs> <laughs> he went 49 to Detroit. So uh, for all you Michael Gabonje fans out there, Momo included, put your hands together because hey, he's in the NBA. Hey, and he's on he's on a good team. Yeah. Stan Van has that has that ship running. They made the playoffs. They did get swept by Cleveland, but it was Cleveland. So okay, who who, who didn't have that call as a sweep? So they there should be a better team next year. They also got Ellison, who's a, who can shoot. He, he's not going to be there to defend the rim, but he he can 
he can hit a you know 15, 18 foot jumper as a role player. So I, I like Detroit going into this year. I I felt like the Magic should have been on the rise with Detroit, but we all sure. know what happened there. I won't touch. I won't touch on old wounds, but yeah, please. I really like what Detroit's doing. Stanley Johnson's going to be a better player next year. Reggie Jackson gets another year running the offense. Caldwell Pope shooting threes from the outside. It's a good nucleus they have. Maybe they, they go for one more free agent to solidify a spot in the top four. I don't know, behind Indiana and uh, Cleveland. But we'll, we'll see. But what I will touch on, back to the hate um, angle. If KD goes to the Golden State Warriors, he he better get the same hate LeBron got. Because yeah. he, he basically doubles what LeBron did. I mean, I know LeBron went from Cleveland to Miami. But KD going from OKC to the team that beat him in seven games and the Golden State Warriors, if you're going to make fun of LeBron for getting with a superstar squad to win a title, you got to get on KD for, for joining the former champions and the team who had the best record in, in regular season record in history and going there to win a ring. I mean, if you're going to disregard LeBron, you got to disregard KD for that. I don't blame either of them. I say if you want to win rings, you know what you got to do. You got to join a good nucleus, and and KD may do that. Chris Broussard says it's a two-team race between the Warriors and OKC for KD. I know a lot that breaks a lot of Knicks fans' hearts because they're hoping KD comes to New York. I said it from the beginning that he's not coming to Madison Square Garden, and apparently Chris Broussard also says that KD doesn't want to drag this decision out. So whoever he signs with for a year, he's going to basically stay there. He'll opt out to get more cash and then sign long-term with that same team that he signed a one-year deal with, unless something catastrophic happens. But basically, whoever he signs with during free agency in, in, a, in a week, that's going to be his decision to stay with, to stay long-term. And if it is Golden State, he's going to be the new guy to hate next to <laughs> Derrick Rose at 1A, I would say. Uh, I, can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to debate why everybody <laughs> should not hate those two, but I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. And I mean, I mean, Mike, I'll ask you a question. Yeah. When you left New York and went to L.A., or when you went from L.A. to Orlando, did people hate you and say, oh, you're a sellout, you're going somewhere else, you're leaving, uh, you're a sellout? No, no, they were actually pretty excited, so. so okay, yeah. so why can't we do the same for NBA players? Why well, is it bad to have mobility, to want to go new places, to want to experience different things? Like Exactly. Why? Like if you, if you if you wind up getting a great job in Orlando, or people or your LA friends gonna say, "Oh, you sold out. You could have did that in LA. You didn't do it in LA, so you're you're bum. You're punk." The only guy, Luther. the only guy that would call me those names is the Philly fan. That's the only guy that would yeah. that would call in to bash me. And uh, I, I did talk, I did talk to his mother, and uh, he was sleeping. But he's gonna come on the show next week and talk about Ben Simmons. So pretty excited. Oh, that's pretty excited. Be it's gonna be great. That's but before, but before we, before we end this, I want to give a shout out to a certain ESPN first taker who criticized LeBron's grammar. Oh. who took it upon himself to criticize a dude's grammar on Instagram. Like, if you can't find anything to hate about, hate on a dude's grammar. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. It was so petty. I won't even mention his name because it was that petty. It was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous take. I, I guess they're trying to fill out Skip Bayless yeah. and, his, and his disdain for LeBron. But it was completely, completely petty. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you just gotta make up BS to uh, to sell some airtime. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it made no sense. Yeah. But, 
small uh, small minds create small issues, so it is what it is. But that is it for Building Momentum. We will be right back with a wrap-up, and uh, we're just going to talk a little bit of baseball, what could be happening, and a big-time injury to a uh, perennial team that likes to contend for the AL Central. Be right back. The Wrap-Up. So, uh, we had the Detroit Tigers with an injury. Tigers outfielder JT Martinez suffered a non-displacement fracture of the radial neck in his right elbow. And apparently right now, I would say the Tigers are in third. So, I don't know how this affects their their, uh, outlook going forward in the season. But, uh, Mike, I'll let you take it away. Again, before the halfway point, the Tigers have played 74 games. So, uh, take it away, Mike. And and what's the, the after effects of this injury? I mean, this is big. This is uh, this is a Tiger team that's not hitting a whole lot, uh, and their pitching has been, you know, okay. I mean, they're only two games over 500, 38 and uh, 36, and uh, they're in a division right now where nobody would expect the Cleveland Indians to be in first place, but they are. And then you've shout got out to Cleveland. yeah, shout doing out to Cleveland, doing big things. You know, the curse is broken. You know, all you have left is Johnny Manziel. <laughs> that's the only thing that's bringing you guys down. So, I mean, they're doing big things. The Royals are still in second. They are obviously the American reigning champions so you've got to be leery of them and then you know the white Sox have hit a huge bump in the road i guess is the best way to say it they've fallen to fourth and i think they're all about they're pretty much done robin ventura the manager will probably be packing his bags rather soon just because they came out of the gate so strong and and they did trade for big game james shields and he has been getting lit up like a roman candle uh he actually pitched i think he finally went six innings his last outing but he still got the no decision so he's been miserable but as far as jd martinez is concerned uh he was having a pretty good year again again 287 average 12 home runs but again this guy last year hit 38 home runs batted 282 and had 102 ribbies while batting like anywhere between third fourth and fifth in that lineup and he just give he gives miguel cabrera who we all know miggy is you know a potential a triple crown winner in any given year if he's healthy he gives him protection so to lose a guy like that in the middle of your lineup when you're when you're you know you're still in it obviously and that second wild card has allowed many teams uh in to stay in contention well into august which is a great thing that baseball has done but uh it's not easy and they did bring up a kid by the name of steven moya who has a lot of potential um, but again, losing a guy like that, uh, it's said that his, um, his win replacement is five games. So having a guy like that in your lineup, you're going to get uh, an additional five wins. So losing him for, you know, the four to eight weeks that he's potentially gone, which I'm actually really surprised when you break your, you know, whatever it is, you break a bone in your hand and your wrist. I thought it could be a long, long time, but, uh, on the safe side, 48 weeks is, is, is pretty good. But again, we'll see what happens. If he comes back in Detroit, he's still five and a half games out. Great. But if they're 10 games out, it might be time to, uh, to reload. So, um, I mean, do you really do you really think the Cleveland Indians are going to run away, or the Kansas City Royals are going to run away? I know the Royals are coming off yeah World Series title, but uh, they're pretty bunched up. Well, and I would say maybe not time to panic just no yet. not yet but the thing with cleveland is they've got pitching for days i mean that cory kluber is a, is a former cy young winner they they look at trevor bauer who who i i really compare a lot to to zach grinke a guy who came up with a lot of potential has four to five really superb pitches and is now actually pitching not just throwing i mean they've got carrasco they've just they've got so much you got cody allen in the bullpen they they're lacking on offense and that's the thing that i i think will eventually be their undoing uh, they are they are missing Michael Brantley, who's a former All Star. He's been out pretty much all year with with various lower body injuries. But this is a team that if they can go out and make a trade, 
to pull somebody like a Ryan Braun, somebody on a team that's not going anywhere, or add a third baseman, uh, this could be a team that could stick around a lot longer because of that pitching staff. I mean, they are young, they are they are solid, and right now they're playing above their heads. So, uh, yeah, if you can get up seven, eight, nine game lead in that division, uh, it could carry you through through the summer months. But again, it's a long season. But hey, it's a, it's a feel good story. Cleveland, keep it up and uh, do it for LeBron. <laughs> Definitely do it for the land. But um, <laughs> this, this, this next story, I. I don't know how to feel about it. Are you upset? Number one, you two, cry? two reasons I don't know how to feel about it. Number number one, because the player has been diminished. Number two is what he's involved with. And we're talking about Jose Reyes, for those that don't know. We spoke about Jose Reyes previously as a person who the Mets were not interested in, even though Terry Collins had fond memories of him and David Wright in their prime. The Mets didn't seem to be interested. Now, all of a sudden the Mets are making plans to make room for this guy to come back. Now, again, NFL players are judged on a certain level when, they, when they're even alleged in domestic violence situations. This guy served a suspension coming back. Again, he's not the player he used to be. And the Mets are just falling in love with the past, and they want him back. I Again, who am I to say a guy can't have employment, can't do his job or work or have a career, but I don't see where the outrage is on NFL players and and if you look at the Facebook groups, if you look at Twitter, if I say anything negative about Jose Reyes on social media, Mets fans go nuts. And I, I just don't get it. But just know that if he comes back, he is not you're not getting the same player of years ago. Just understand that. No, not at all. And I think that's that, that needs to be kept in check. You know, uh, we talk about, you know, we can't get crazy about uh, Derek Rose. You got to be you got to do the same thing exactly for, for Jose Reyes. Uh, he do he can't still get on. He can still steal bases, and that's something the Mets need. We've talked all season long how Curtis Granderson is not a leadoff hitter, and this guy is. He's a he's a predominant leadoff hitter. He gets on base. He takes pitches. Uh, the problem is that he can no longer field his position, and obviously he's played second in his career. He's played short, so the Mets are now possibly thinking about putting him at second because the, sh- the obviously the throw is a lot shorter and moving Neil Walker to third base. Neil Walker's never played third base, so I don't know how that's going to go. And Neil Walker, who's having a really good year with the bat, I believe he's got 16 home runs, is a free agent coming up this year. So if you if you kind of make Neil Walker unhappy, you got to worry about him leaving the team next year. Okay, I understand it's too early to worry about that. So the other possibility is that the Mets are talking about moving him to center field because he does have speed. Um, he can, you know, I, he's never played center field. So it's a totally different ball game. Uh, you got to stay in the ball game sometimes. It's easy to get distracted. But I, I like this because it allows uh, Jonas Cespedes to go to his natural position of left field. I, I, I dislike Cespedes very much in center field. Uh, while he does have a fantastic arm, rivaling probably only uh, Yasiel Puig for best arm in the majors, he's just kind of very lackadaisical out there. Uh, doesn't seem to attack the ball when he needs to go and get it. So if you could put him back in left, which was his natural position, which he excels at, great. Can Jose play center? I don't know. What does that do for Michael Conforto, uh, he, who is a left fielder? I guess Conforto can also play a little bit of right. So you can you can possibly put Conforto in right, and then maybe Granderson can play part-time, uh, split in time with, with Reyes in center. It just leaves a lot of questions, and it puts a lot of pressure on Terry Collins uh, to really to mix and manage the, the lineup depending on what the pitcher you know who they're facing that day so while it's a decent idea on paper uh i definitely think there is more upside than downside because the mets need you know need somebody to kick that kick that lineup in order uh as far as defense goes 
it, it could be interesting. But again, if it allows Cespedes to go to left, which would make the match stronger, and Michael Conforto still is a little bothered by that wrist injury, uh, you might as well do it. Because at, then at the end of the day, uh, right now you've got you got Wilmer Flores playing third or Kelly Johnson. It's not good. I'd rather have Reyes in the lineup, putting him, putting him at second or in the outfield. And it just makes you a better team. And I think at the end of the day, that's what the Mets need to do is just just be play better ball. Stop getting swept by the Braves. I mean, that's that's a problem in itself. See what happens when you go four and six in your last ten games. Things tend to soften on players that yeah. you may not have welcome back initially. But you you seem to be on the pulse of this. Do, do is this gonna get done? Do you think he returns? To New York. Yeah, and I, I do. I do, because I said it last time, last episode. I, I don't think there's anywhere else that he could go, that he could, uh, you know, have the fans already behind him. And, you know, we talked about he, he did some, whatever he did with some pretty terrible accusations, be it a truth. If it's the truth, it's, it's even worse. Uh, but if there's one place that might open him, welcome back with open arms, it's New York, because he played there for, you know, what, 2003 to 2011. So he's, he's, a, he's an original New York Met. And it's crazy that, you know, a couple years ago, the Mets gave him and David Wright long-term contracts because they because they were the future and the face of their franchise. And here we are, Reyes doesn't have a team, and David Wright may never play again. So it's kind of sad. Uh, I, you know, obviously hope that David Wright can come back. And if Reyes can come back and be be half of the player he was and wear that number seven jersey and be a spark, that's what the Mets need. They need a spark. So I don't. I just don't see anybody else going after him. There's a possibility of Kansas City. Uh, the Royals, they did release their second baseman, Omar Infante, but they've got some other kids down in the minor leagues that they don't necessarily have to have to turn to a guy like Reyes. So, uh, yeah, I think the Mets are the only only place. Maybe the Royals, maybe maybe a miserable team like Minnesota, but I don't think that does them any good. So the Mets, they should take the opportunity to take a chance. If it doesn't work out, you cut them because he's getting paid from the Rockies uh, for regardless, the $53 million is his. So you can give him, you know, the, the league minimum, $700,000. It's prorated. It's probably like $400,000 right about now uh, for the rest of the season. It, it, what's the harm in it? There really, there really isn't any. Yeah, we might take a quick side swipe at the Mets getting swept by the Braves. That quick update, because we do what we do on the Mike and Mo show. Yeah. The Mets are three outs away from being the Braves. They're up right now, 8-6 in the bottom of the ninth. Just saying FYI. Just yeah. putting that out. And they did They did win. You obviously have the slow phone or the slow internet. They did win 8-6. to six. Uh, It's over. But... But to further rain on your parade, Steven Matz only went four innings and gave up six earned runs with uh, no strikeouts. So just want to keep right. just want to keep you in check, Mo. Just want to keep it. It was a road game. Second of all, I didn't refresh my browser. Okay, <laughs> my internet's fine. I just didn't hit the refresh button. All right. What about just let what about uh, what about Noah Syndergaard and his uh, potential elbow um, soreness or 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 Jake or Mr. Wheeler, Jake Wheeler there. Um, potentially not coming back to August now because of his recovery from Tommy John. Are you nervous? Mike, what happened to, like, all good news? Let's, let's take the good. Let's win the small battles. Why are we bringing up negative no, stuff I didn't, now? Like, I'm not bringing up negative. I'm asking your opinion as a New York Mets fan because I am not. I want to know if you're worried about the potential ramifications of losing pitching. Does that no, doesn't feel that worried? You know, okay. that worked. Okay, hey, all. that's all I was looking for. That's all I wanted from you. We, we we're still all right. We're good. We're good. Okay, we got a dub today. We're good. All how many? How, what? Where do you currently stand in the division? Second, of how, course. How many games? But we're though? firmly in second. We're not like <laughs> a, a you know floundering second. We're firmly there. The Marlins are right behind us, but 
we got this, all right? We're about to come into the midpoint. Yeah. We got this, all right? We, we probably won't catch the Nationals, I'll be honest about well, that. I mean, you're but... only four games out. I mean, there's there's plenty of time. Look at the Mets did last year. They were, what, six and a half out in, like, late July, and then they got Cespedes, so anything's that, possible. That's true. I just like the Nationals lineup, but yeah, as sure. long as they get in the postseason, I'm good with it. I'm not panicking. It's it's June. It's late June. I mean, c- call me in August. Yeah. You know, then then we'll, then we'll talk. Well, but until then, yeah. I, I'm... I'm going to be Mr. Positive since you don't want to be Mr. Positive on the Mets. No, not on the Mets. I'm only positive on things that I like. Um, yeah, so. notice he didn't mention the Yankees today. Wait, we won today. They actually won 5-2. to two. Tanaka won. He, we beat the Twins. Again, beating the Twins is like, you know, beating a girls softball team, so I'm not super excited about it. But it's a win. A win is a win. We're 36-36. and 36, 500 ball. Again, this is the problem, though. The Yankees, every time they get to 500... Uh, they go backwards. So again, the need to get need to get above five hundred, like like four or five games above five hundred, and then you know we can start actually making up ground in the uh, in the AL East because there's still six games out of first place, and you know next to last, that's it's a long way. It's a lot of teams to climb over. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I won't say anything negative about the Yankees. I'll let I'll let it be. Yeah, you'll let you'll let the you let the standings speak for themselves. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I I just I don't like to throw shade. I just let you know. Let the play speak for itself, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, that is going to be it for episode 19. Um, as always, we always tell you, go on Twitter. It's it's Mike, Mike Mo Show. It's, uh, it's Facebook, Mike and Mo Show. If you don't know by now, we're on iTunes. We've been on iTunes. We need your, uh, we need your rankings. We need your, your five stars. We need you to write in and say how much you love the show, how much you think that Mike should replace his co-host. Um, all, these, <laughs> all these different things we need you to do. And actually, we're going to do something cool this week when we post the show. We're actually going to put a link to a survey because we want to know what you like out of the show. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know what you don't like. I don't care. But regardless, no, there will be some questions there, multiple choice. You know, 10, 10 quick questions. You know, take it at your leisure. It's some fun. There's some fun questions in there. But we want to know why you guys keep listening, what you're like uh, that we're doing, and what we can improve upon on the show because we're all about transparency. We're all about getting better. And, you know, bring in, bring in more entertainment your way because that's what we really enjoy to do. Mike, it's clear why they watch this show because they want to hear me straighten you out <laughs> on these subjects as I always do. They want to hear a good perspective. A good perspective. Accurate, an accurate perspective accurate. on sports. Accurate. That, not, a, not a tainted, biased, Orlando type of hey. skew on things. They want the real stuff. The, the Brooklyn perspective, the real right? That's what, they, that's what they come here for. Yeah. Let's just be honest on that. You have a good perspective, but sometimes it is um, it is Homerish. So I'll just leave it at that. Homerish. Homerish. I, I bashed. I bashed Phil Jackson a little bit today. A okay? little. <laughs> okay, maybe I tired the Nets a little hard, but they yeah. need something. Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah Whitehead is the next coming of uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Give me a break. Hey, 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 hey. wait a minute, <laughs> all right? People didn't know Draymond Green would be as good as he is. Yeah. He's a second-round pick. I didn't I'm just see that. Saying. I did not see I'm that. just saying. It's true. Other than that, you can also listen to the show now on Overcast. So if you don't know what Overcast is, go to iTunes, download the app, and it's an entire network of uh, nothing but podcasts. Every episode is on Overcast. Again, do the same thing. Rate the show, rank the show, share the show. I don't know how many more times i got to ask you to do that. Follow us. We're, uh, we're all over the place on social media. Uh, we will be, uh, we'll be featured on a brand new radio network coming up on the 4th of July. We'll have more information uh, in the coming <laughs> weeks of that. Yeah, that's going to be good actually coming right out of los angeles so um you know doing big things uh via the west coast on the east coast doing it all over the world as much as we possibly can so um yeah mo is there anything else you want to uh, share with the good people 
Uh, just this quick stress on something. When you listen to the show online, please share it on your Facebook account because yes. if you heard the good stuff, other people want to hear the good stuff. So it just takes a second, not a millisecond, just to hit that share button and we greatly appreciate that. Yeah, we really do. We, uh, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun. We want to keep doing it. And uh, next week, uh, it's going to be the start or close to the start of the NBA free agency. So I'm sure there'll be plenty more rumors. Uh, and and it, baseball, it's almost it's almost the halfway mark. We'll be getting ready for the uh, for the All Star game on the 12th of July, one day after my birthday. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. Don't worry about it. I'm younger than Mo. Uh, 40. 46. Uh, besides from that, <laughs> we of course will be gearing up for the NFL. We'll have plenty of great great stuff coming your way as always but until then i'm mike calendrillo he's maurice moton hit us up mentalitymedia.com slash mike and mo show itunes hit the podcast mike and mo show download listen subscribe and we'll catch you on the flip until then take care